Hello everyone, Nick Patel here. Welcome to this episode. And in this episode, I'm going to be talking to you about Africa. And um, I'll start off with a comment. Um, Africa is literally the future of the world. And I say that because statistics show that, except for Africa, by the year 2050, about a quarter of the world's population will be 60 years or older. That is a staggering thought. That's a staggering statistic. Um, the world is aging. Africa is younging, if, that, if such a word exists. And this is where the future of Africa is really uh, going to lie. It's in the demographics. Uh, being a young population, uh, or being a young continent, you'll find manufacturing will start moving into Africa. You'll find a lot of value addition happening in Africa. So the African landscape from an economic perspective or a commercial perspective is going to change quite radically, one believes, over the next uh, course of 25, 30 years. Um, we're already seeing some of the impacts of these demographics. I mean, uh, a key, you know, contemporary effect of this is uh, is this migration into Europe. I believe part of the reason is the demographics. Um, I believe part of the reason is that uh, you've got too many young people in Africa, not enough uh, opportunities at this current moment in time. Europe is just across the Mediterranean Sea. Europe has benefits. It has, uh, you know... Obviously, Europe is struggling in terms of the economic growth rates and things like that. But Europe is much, much more developed than Africa. And with the internet and, and communications and, uh, you know, uh, smartphones, uh, people in Africa, especially the youth, look at Europe saying, hey, we've got really a rich neighbor. The barriers to entries, yes, we put our lives at stake, potentially. But it's the risk is worth it. And I think, you know, the challenge for Europe is really, at this moment in time, is, is to invest in Africa. Aid is not an investment, so I'm not saying put more aid money into Africa, not at all. I believe investment, lowering the trade barriers and driving trade. So trade rather than aid is the way forward for Europe at this particular moment in time. Now, it's also interesting to notice that there's a few players now uh, entering into Africa. Uh, China has been around for at least the last 15 or 20 years. Uh, its policy is very clear. It wants to it wants to go for the resources. Uh, it's, it's not going to change government, so it's not going to impose its will in terms of politics onto African countries. Uh, the deal is very clear. We want your raw materials and uh, we'll, we'll do whatever it takes to get those raw materials. And uh, if it means giving concessionary loans and things like that, so be it. And I think in that regard, Europe has lost out. I certainly think America has lost out. Um, there was an Africa summit uh, recently or, or, or an Africa statement put out by uh, uh, Trump's government uh, in, the, in America. And uh, it wasn't really heartening. Nothing really real was said or nothing significant was said. So I think the U.S. is right now uh, got a hands-off policy as far as Africa is concerned. And that creates an element of vacuum. I mean, the Europeans are not really there. Uh, Americans are not there. The Chinese are there. So you've got an interesting fourth player entering the African scene uh, in the last year or two. And that's Russia. So Russia, which was as the old uh, USSR back in the 70s and 80s, was a big geopolitical player in Africa, created a lot of, uh, you know, we had a lot of strife in Africa, uh, you know, in the Congo, in Angola, uh, Mozambique, places like that, where, uh, you know, we had that Cold War playing out in Africa. And Russia then pulled away, I think, you know, after Perestroika and Gorbachev coming into power, uh, Russia basically left Africa. Now they're coming back and uh, they're coming back with a bank. And I think Energy is going to be a big focus for Russian companies, oil and gas, nuclear. Uh, you've seen the, the nuclear deal in South Africa. It's gone a little bit astray, but uh, Zuma and Putin were trying to get a nuclear deal in place. 
I see a Russian enterprise and Russian business moving in into the oil and, sec- oil and gas fields uh, in, in Mozambique. And we see private armies now. So the Wagner Group, which is a Russian mercenary force uh, whose uh, owner is a very close friend of Putin, is very active in the Central African Republic, in Mozambique, uh, in various other parts of Africa. So you can see that it'll be uh, the way the Russians might play this game in Africa is to go in as the trusted partner from a security perspective um, and, 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 and try that angle into the African countries and try to develop relationships uh, from that perspective. So I think Russia is a very interesting uh, new player in the African scene. Potentially a fifth player, though it's uh, the attitude is still very ambivalent. Ambivalent. I've made a few speeches in in Indian Forum where I've said, uh, you know, India really needs to engage. You've got a lot of diasporan Indians, very well settled across many parts of Africa. I mean, these are your go-to people uh, from an Indian perspective or an India perspective in Africa, in terms of building relationships, in terms of leveraging relationships. Uh, but India has not really. Uh, I mean, a few Indian private companies have started venturing into Africa. Airtel is one, obviously. Uh, Tata is trying to make moves into Africa. Uh, but really, the Indian government has not really driven their presence in Africa. Uh, I don't know whether that's a good thing. I don't know whether it's a bad thing. But right now, we're left with China as the biggest beast in town. Uh, Russia might come into this party. Uh, but it's a pity that the Americans and Europeans are not engaging with Africa. Anyway, that's my two pennies about Africa for today. I'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye.